everyone and very welcome to our service this morning anybody online as well welcome back to winter <laughs> we've had our summer that's it so uh, i'll have to go through these of quite a few announcements this morning so i'll just i'll try and rush through them as, as quickly as i can uh, we're having a queen's platinum jubilee party as you know on friday the 3rd of june uh, from 1:30 p.m to 3:30 p.m and we're planning to open the church uh, for anyone uh, to come and watch the service, first of all in Westminster Abbey, watching it in here. Uh, following this will be a party, okay, a party for all ages. It's a party uh, which is open to the whole community. And uh, thanks to the council, we've just received a grant for to be able to buy you all a, 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 a um, what is it, what is it, hot dogs? Yeah, hot dogs, or if, you, if you're too old for hot dogs, you can have a cup of tea with a scone, okay? And uh, it's a party that are going to have a bouncy castle there. We're going to have games for the children. Uh, there'll be music from Waiting for Sophie and Calvin Adams. There'll be lots going on. Um, so please bring your neighbours, bring your friends. You'll have a few flyers in a couple of weeks' time to hand out uh, to friends and neighbours. Uh, something you could possibly help us with, though. Uh, we're looking for a farmer. Um, when I was in Straban, like nearly everyone was farmers. <laughs> but uh, we're looking for a farmer who could provide us with uh, or lend us some hay bales. We want to try and enclose where the party's going to be and uh, give people places to sit as well. Um, so if you, if you know someone could lend us some hay bales for the day, that would be brilliant. Also, we're looking for photographs or memorabilia um, from the year of the Queen's coronation. We're going to have a little display of that. Make sure if it's a photograph, you put your name on it and uh, we'll get it back to you. So that's, that's something to look forward to. 3rd of June from 1.30 to 3.30. Thank you again for your contributions to the Easter gift day. Uh, I've been told that the total so far is £2,245, and there's still some envelopes if you want to give. If you still haven't got a chance to give, please feel free to do so. Uh, the In Church Weekend, which will take place um, in a couple of weeks' time, um, please, there's a flyer out this morning. Please take time to read the flyer. And if you plan to attend the weekend, which is we're looking for what we're going to be looking at is, is what, where do we want to be in five years' time, in ten years' time? What's our vision? What's our goal? Um, so that, that's going to be on I guess, the 13th and 14th of May. It's two weeks. And uh, there's a list at the back of the vestibule. If you tend to go, please sign your name there, just on your left as you go out. There's some stuff remaining also from the car boot sale um, from yesterday. If you see anything you like, just uh, give a wee donation. If you want to take something, just give a wee donation into the Tupperware box. Um, I'll be off this Friday, um, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Um, although my name is down on this to preach next week, it'll not be me. Um, I'll be sitting in a jacuzzi somewhere, <laughs> uh, thinking of all you guys. So, uh, no, next week, uh, Reverend Alvin Little is going to be taking the service for us, so please come along and give him your support. And uh, also, I just want to, to bring up Tom Shaw at this moment, if Tom's there, there he is, just to give you an update with regards to the community outreach worker that we've been uh, trying to appoint. Good morning, everybody. Well, Mark has asked me to bring you an update on our plans 
to employ a community outreach worker. I'm sorry this comes to you later than we would have liked, but as many of you know, I've been away because of a family matter. So just to recap, the decision to appoint a community outreach worker is part of our strategy to regenerate the congregation. We applied to the Presbyterian Church's Council for Mission in Ireland for a grant to assist with the costs. They granted us 12,000 a year for the next three years in March of this year. Now we advertised the post on the 7th of March in local newspapers on the PCI website and through all the churches in the Arch Presbytery. Three requests for application papers were received in the office, but by the closing date on the 23rd of March, no applications had been received. Consequently, we had no one to interview. Now, we met soon after the closing date. We discussed the options and the timing for re-advertising. We also talked to other congregations who are in the process of trying to make similar appointments, and we took advice from others who work in the area of community outreach. And a clear message came back to us from all of them, and that is that recruitment to posts of this kind at the moment is very difficult. There appears to be a shortage of potential applicants. Now, undaunted by that feedback, we're preparing a revised set of application papers, and it's intended that the posts of community outreach worker will be re-advertised towards the end of this month. This time, the post will be advertised in a much wider range of media. And our hope and our plan, God willing, is to have interviews in June and an appointment made by the end of that month. We would really like to have the community outreach worker in post before the beginning of September, and we'll update you again about progress in due course. Just to finish, members of the congregation have been extremely supportive of this proposal to appoint a community outreach worker from the very beginning, and you've given generously to fund the appointment. We're blessed to be in such a good financial position. And I would ask you on behalf of the Kirk Session and Committee to maintain your support for the appointment by continued giving and also by prayer that God will lead us to the person that he would have working with us in redeveloping our congregation and in extending its witness in this community. So in a nutshell, we're on the journey we're not there yet, but with God's blessing, we'll reach our destination in June. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. So please continue to pray for that. Uh, we want a, a community outreach worker uh, and the one that God wants us to have. Um, just to start our worship today, uh, the theme today is the God behind the man and seeing life from God's perspective, the God behind the man, and I start with Revelation 19, verse 16, speaking of Jesus, we're told, on his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Let's pray. Father, we invite you here today. Lord, we know that if you are not here, then this is no more than a social gathering. And Father, nothing of any spiritual significance uh, can come out of this. But Father, with you in the center, with Christ on the throne, Lord, you can move in this place.
and you can touch our hearts. You can change us, you can challenge us, you can comfort us, and you can redeem us. And we ask that you might move from heart to heart and seat to seat in this gathering today, and may you be glorified, may you be honored, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So we're going to stand, we're going to sing, Here I Am to Worship. Just give a minute till my glass is clear. <laughs> okay. As many of you will know, uh, Nicole had a beautiful baby girl about 12 weeks ago. And uh, for the last 11 weeks, she and the baby has been staying with Laura and with Tom Henry. And as any parent could testify, it's very daunting when you leave the maternity ward and you step outside and take the baby home. I know it was for me anyway, whenever I, <laughs> all those years ago when we brought Leah home, I thought to myself, well, what do we do now? 
So uh, Laura and Tom have been giving Nicole that support on this initial journey. And uh, the little girl's name is Kylie Rose. And Nicole has asked that we dedicate Kylie Rose to God and to God's care. Uh, this is not a baptism. Uh, at a baptism, as you know, there are promises that are made by both the parents and by the congregation. Today, there are no promises being made, but as Nicole returns home with Mark, and it's good to see Mark and his brothers, who have been, I've heard you've been very supportive, which is great. Um, as Nicole returns home with Mark uh, on the 9th of May, I would ask that the congregation to unofficially commit to praying for this young family um, on the weeks and the months that are ahead. Nicole, I hope you've felt welcome here. And uh, you and Mark and we, Kylie Rose, are welcome back any time into this church family. So I hope that you might see us, in a sense, as your second family and feel free to come back at any time. Let's just pray. Can I just ask Nicole and Mark just to stand at this point? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this new life. Little Kylie Rose, and we pray that you might bless her with good health and strength. And we pray that you might watch over her in every stage of life. And that your loving arms may surround her and protect her. Lord Jesus, how you love the children running about around you and climbing up on you as children do. We thank you for your love for them. Seen clearly in your words, let the little children come unto me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. We pray, Father, that someday when Kylie is older and able to understand your love for her and what your son did at Calvary for her, we pray that she may, may by her own choice, may decide to trust in Jesus Christ as her personal Lord, her Savior, and her friend. We pray also for Nicole and Mark, and we thank you for the support that Nicole has found in Mark and in his brothers. And we pray for this couple, Lord, that you may make a way for them, help build their confidence, give them the strength, give them the grace, give them the patience which they need. At times when they feel low, please lift them up. And at times when they feel weak, please give them strength. And at times when they feel confused, please guide their way. And may that feeling of being a family increase day by day. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. I, I would like to give you a little Bible here um, for Kylie Rose. <laughs> and, uh, let me just give... I have another thing here. I've got a Bible for the both of you uh, from this congregation, from this church family. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, I've got something else. <laughs> <laughs> Come here, there's more. <laughs> but um, whenever I heard that her middle name was Rose, um, I just... Elaine doesn't even get one of these. <laughs> Whenever I heard that her name was Rose, just uh, lightning bolts started going off in my head. And I know that life can be tough at times. It can be difficult and painful at times. And some believe that the Rose of Sharon in, in the Old Testament refers to Jesus Christ. 
Now, I don't know, I'm not committed on that one, but um, some believe that the Rose of Sharon refers to Jesus Christ. I know with the Scriptures, some of it will be hard to understand. There's some parts I don't understand, but the Scriptures do point you to Jesus Christ. And our prayer for you would be that both of you at some point in your lives would come to find Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and give your lives to him. Because the Rose of Sharon, actually, what it represents, and it's a very good image, of, anyway, of what Jesus is like. The Rose of Sharon represents, it represents love, it represents beauty, and it represents healing. So in times when that are tough, in times that are really difficult, be sure that Jesus Christ is there for you, that you can turn to him and put your faith in him. And he is love, and he, he beautifully comforts us in difficult times. And he is also our healing, and healing from not just physical healing, but healing from all sorts of hurts. So I just want to congratulate you and wish you all the best in, in your life ahead. Okay. Would you give them a wee round of applause? Just thank you. All right. Okay, now I've got a wee children's address here. Um, I just want to read from Daniel, first of all. It's Daniel chapter 3, verses 13 down to 28. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I've been practicing those names all week. It just, I don't know why they just didn't call them Sammy and Billy and Joe. But uh, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? See, what the emperor had done was he had told everyone in the nation, everyone in the city, in Babylon, that you must bow down when you hear the trumpet blasts. You must bow down to this golden statue that I have made. And these guys refused to do that. Now, when that you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you're all ready to fall down, be ready to fall down and worship the image I made. But if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. He wasn't a friendly sort of fella. Then what God will be able to rescue them, you from my hand? So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. We are, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know, your majesty, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing the robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. 
Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Now, do we have boys and girls? We do have a few this morning, a couple, do we? <laughs> Searching for them. Some up, up in the gallery. Right, going to have a wee look here at the PowerPoint. Now, fire is something we know is very, very destructive. You should never play with it. It's lovely to have a nice warm fire in your living room on a cold night, but you don't mess around with fire. It can cause severe pain, severe, severe destruction. Now, these three boys I want to tell you about this morning, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had been taken captive. They were like prisoners taken from Jerusalem up into Babylon when the, a lot of the people were brought up then. And basically, they were like slaves up in Babylon. And this emperor said, listen, I have made this beautiful big statue. I am so proud of it. I am so pleased with it that whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet and the lyre and all of the different instruments, no matter where you are, if you're in your kitchen baking, if you're in the streets working, if you're at your job in a shop, anywhere you are, when you hear this sound, you must buy down and worship this God that I have made. Well, they wouldn't do it. There's the God. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing, thrown into a blazing furnace. And they're going, we'll not be doing it. We will not be doing it. So everyone else around them, and they stuck out like a sore thumb, everyone around them bowed down, but they would not. And so therefore they were told, you must go before the king. You're going to be punished. You're in for it. You must go before the king. And so he's, they're brought before the king, and the king says to them, listen, I'm giving you one more chance. When you hear the music and the trumpet and the lyre sound, you must bow down and worship this God that I have created. If you don't, I'll throw you into the furnace. And they said, well, listen, our God can deliver us from that. But even if he doesn't, there's no way that we're ever going to bow down to a stupid old statue that you have made. And the king was so furious. He says, right, take them. He says, take them away and throw them into the furnace. Tell you what, turn the furnace up seven times hotter than what it normally is. And he got these big strong guys, right? You've been at the gym, you've been at the gym. Take them down. They're massive big guys, big strong guards, soldiers. And as they're actually throwing them into the furnace, the guards are killed by the, 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 the backdraft of the flames coming out of the furnace. And these soldiers are killed. Meanwhile, the three of the guys, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they're in the furnace. They're tied up, and they're there. 
Now, King Nebuchadnezzar, it was a furnace where you could see in the side of it. And he was looking in, and he calls some of his servants and some of his guards, and he says, listen, I think I need to go to Specsavers. <laughs> he said, was there not three people I put in there? He says, yes, there definitely was only three. He says, why do I see four? And the fourth, he says, look like, looks like the son of the gods. We're looking today at the God behind the man. And who do you think that God is that was with him in there? He's the Lord. The Lord is with him the whole way. And whether you're young or whether you're old or whether you're in between, you should take this home with you. That sometimes in life, the furnace of your life gets turned up seven times hotter than it normally is, and it's hard, and it's cruel, and it can be discouraging. But who's in the furnace with you? Christ. Who's walking through with you? It's Christ. Sometimes he can take your pain away, but sometimes he doesn't. But what he does do is tell you, I'll walk through it with you. And so the king says, get them out, get them out, bring them out. And he starts to praise the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and says, I've never seen anything like this before. Their God is truly the true God. And anyone who goes against them from now on, I'll throw them into the furnace. So I want you to remember that perhaps maybe this week, if there's something that you're not looking forward to, something that you're worried about, maybe you're feeling a bit of pain now, going through difficulty, Christ walks with you. The God behind the man. The God behind the man. So we're going to, let's just pray a moment. I ask you to just pray. Father, I don't know all of what people have carried in with them here. What's in their mental backpacks? What is in their mental burdens, their fears, their anxieties? But Lord, we thank you that when we turn to you, no matter how difficult life can be, we have the assurance that you will be with us evermore. Amen. So we're going to sing. Um, there's a, a lovely song by Robin Mark. I think that's what we're going to do. Let me just check. Um, yeah, it's called Faithful One. God is faithful. He is our rock. When all the world seems to be collapsing around us, God is faithful. Let's stand. Your 
Sunday Club uh, are going to leave us at the moment and uh, the Bible class and anybody that's wanting to go out to the Sunday Club, somebody will meet you out in the foyer or if you need the crash out on my left here, uh, someone will meet you there also. Just want to look at Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 to 11. I know it seems quite a while since we've done Philippians, just picking up on our study. Um, now, I know that we did about verse 5 to verse 8 before, but just going to look at it a wee bit from a different angle, but mainly focusing on verses 9 to 11. But Philippians 2, verses 5 um, to 11. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and unto the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. We're going to stand again, we're going to sing a short chorus, it's called Jesus we enthrone you, exalt him. We're told that as we lift him up, then he draws people by his spirit, he draws people to him. So let's, let's just stand and sing before we come to the word.
Father, we just pray that you would take your place, that Jesus, that we might see the God behind the man, and that you would take your place in our hearts today. Amen. Just a, a short recap, since it's a few weeks since we've been going through Philippians. Paul's in prison. He's in prison in Rome. And he's writing to the church at Philippi, trying to encourage them, even though he's the one that needs the encouragement. But uh, even though he's in prison, he's telling them that God is working, especially amongst the prison guards. He's having a chance every day to witness and share Christ with them. And he exhorts them, no matter what happens, and they were starting to feel the pinch of persecution in Philippi, he says, no matter what happens, keep on living your life for Christ. Conduct yourselves, he says, in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So I have three headings for you this morning. Um, first of all, humbled, honored, and have this mind in you. First of all, humbled. I don't know if you remember that old uh, series, Upstairs, Downstairs. Do you remember that? It was when I was a kid. And the gentry all lived upstairs, and the servants all lived downstairs. Um, in verses 5 to 8, we see Christ descend from upstairs to downstairs, from being in very nature God, to taking on the very nature of a servant when I left Bible college, I owed 900 pounds to pay for my fees. And uh, I managed to get a temporary job working in Castle Aaron in Port Rush. You'll maybe remember Castle Aaron just at the CE. It's like a conference center up beside Barry's. And uh, I, I took devotions. It was during the summer, and I took devotions in the morning, preached in the evening. During the day, took the kids crazy golf and, and took the elderly bowling. That sort of thing it was a bit like a yellow coat, you know. Um, but uh, whenever my contract came to an end, I, I was asked if I wanted to stay on because she knew I needed to pay back my fee. So she said, do you want to stay on as a waiter this time? So I went from living upstairs with the guests to living downstairs with uh, the kitchen staff and the waiters. And, and uh, you know, I, I noticed amongst the guests a difference in how they treated me. Many came in on a fresh holiday, didn't know that I'd been a preacher last week, just saw me as a waiter this week. And the attitude was quite disappointing. The attitude towards me was very different to when I was the preacher on the upstairs. And it made me think of Jesus, who came from upstairs... Uh, in the very nature of God, and came down, downstairs, uh, we're told the very nature of a servant. The treatment he would receive would obviously be very diff- different than he was used to. But that was only halfway, only halfway down. He'd still have further descent to go. And we're told in Philippians that uh, being made in human likeness, that was another step down obedient to death. Death is something that heaven knows nothing about, but down another step, and even more, even further down, death on a cross. No mother ever wanted her son, even if he would die in prison, would never want her son to be hanging naked on a cross in front of everyone else. It was total shame. 
So Jesus went lower than he could any could ever go. No one could go as low as what Jesus went. But we're told in verse 8 that Jesus humbled himself. It wasn't Pilate that humbled him, and it wasn't Herod that humbled him, and it wasn't the Roman guards that beat him up and smacked him in the head until he was exhausted. It wasn't them that humbled him. Jesus, we're told, humbled himself. You see, his humility, even in eternity, he wore a towel in a metaphorical sense, wore a towel of a servant even in eternity. Even before he came down here, he was a servant. We're told in Philippians, being in very nature God, he didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. In heaven, he was a servant. It's part of the nature of God, the humility that comes, the service that comes. And in fact, it was his humility, which was as part of his character, that made him the only one who was able to do the job, the only one who was without stain, without sin, the only one who could come down and serve and lead us and bring our Father's hand into our hand, put them both together. Only his humility could allow him to do that. So he makes this, in those few verses, he, he goes down and, and further down and step by step descending and it takes him the whole way to the cross where he can't go any lower. Well, hallelujah. What a savior we have. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes we're too apathetic about who Jesus is, but hallelujah, what a savior we have that would do that for each and every one of us. You know, please forgive this rather crude analogy. I wasn't sure whether to use it or not, but I was reading during the week that it's like a catapult. And Jesus comes down, like pulling a, an elastic part back of the catapult. And Jesus goes down and goes down and goes down. And Jesus is the stone in the catapult. And down, and then eventually it can't go any further. And then it's let go, and suddenly the stone is lifted into the air, flies off into the air. And because Jesus has gone down so low, it enables him then to then be exalted. Which brings us to the, my second heading, that he is honored. He's honored. In Matthew 23, verses 11 to 12, these are Jesus' words. The greater among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself, puts himself high, will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And Jesus keeps to his own very spiritual, his own spiritual law is, I'm in the catapult, I go lower and lower and lower and lower. It takes me to the cross. And then my father exalts me. And above anyone around me. You know, we began by a descent. The final descent was being into the grave. That was his final descent. But then in a final explosive upsurge, up he goes. The grave could no longer hold him, and he walks out. After his resurrection, Jesus stays on earth for about 40 days, 
and he hangs out with his apostles, and then he takes them one day to Bethany, and the gospel, or Acts, Luke tells us in Acts, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them, and while he blessed them, he, depart, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven, finally launched into the place of exaltation, where the crown of thorns is taken over by the royal crown, and his father exalts him to the highest place. You know, for the word exalted here in Philippians, Paul uses a word that's nowhere else in the New Testament. And it's, it's the Greek word that he uses, which literally means super exalted. That therefore God super exalted him to the highest place. And Paul continues, and he gave him the name which is above every name. Now, in us, a name is just a title. But in the Old Testament, the name describes a person's character. People would choose a name according to the person's character. So when we talk about the name of God, we're talking about the character of God. But just as no one could go lower than Jesus when he went to the cross, so now no one could go above him. He has the name that is above every name. No one even comes close. Surely this is how it should be in our lives, that I struggle with this, that Jesus should be Lord in my life, that no one or nothing should anyway come close to where I put him in my life, to where I place him. Nothing should challenge his authority. You know, Jesus has many names. He's referred to as Emmanuel. He's referred to as Wonderful Counselor. He's referred to Prince of Peace, Ancient of Days, He's referred to as the door, the good shepherd. He's referred to as the word, the light, the lamb, the bread of life, the alpha and the omega, and there are more. But what is this mysterious name that Paul refers to in Philippians 2 when he says, he's given him, God has given him the name that is above every name there is. Well, God can't give him a greater name than his own name. Way back in Moses' day, when Moses had the task of leading the children of Israel out of Egypt um, and round the burning bush, and God was speaking to him, and he was having a conversation with Moses, and Moses says, okay, God, I'll go, but what if they say to me, who are you? What's your name, God? If my own people say, who sent you? What am I to tell them? And God said, I am that I am. Tell them I am has sent me to you. When I was a child, I used to wonder, that's a strange answer. But I am in Hebrew means Yahweh. And it means I was, I am, and I will be. Unchanging, constant, forever the same, forever faithful to you. The word Yahweh, it was considered so sacred by the Jews that only the priests could speak it, could utter it. Um, but after AD 70, when Jerusalem fell, not even priests were allowed. No Jew was allowed because it was too sacred a name to speak. And so what they did was they, they translated it. They used the Hebrew word Adonai, which means Lord or Master. 
So if you look in the Old Testament, you'll notice whenever the term Lord in capital letters is used, that's replacing the term Yahweh. But they don't want to say the name Yahweh. Instead, they say Lord, Master. The name being given to Jesus, the name which is above every name, is God's own name, is Yahweh. Yahweh. It's the highest possible honor. The Lord describes himself in Isaiah 42, verse 8, I am Yahweh. That is my name. And Jesus is given this name that is above every name. I read it earlier, Revelation 19, verse 16. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. King of kings and Lord of lords. Yet he walks with us into the chemotherapy unit. King of kings and Lord of lords, Yahweh. And yet he stands with us at the graveside of a loved one when we're breaking our hearts. King of kings and Lord of lords, yet he sits beside us on the sofa when we're in pain or we're feeling discouraged or we're feeling down, and he's there with us. What a Lord we have. What a king we have. He makes all other kings look like insects in comparison. He is Yahweh. I am, I was, sorry, I was, I am, I will be. Faithful, constant, unchanging, past, present, future. And you're... (laughs) And you've given your life to, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, oh, how safe is your life right now? In Yahweh's hands. Yahweh, the one who creates, and the one who creates miracles. The one who does miracles. Why do we back away from believing in miracles. Why do we tuck it away in the back in the back pocket of our minds? You know, we like to fire God into categories. This is what he does, and this is what he doesn't do. Why? But maybe, just maybe God is bigger than our theology. Why shouldn't we believe that God is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine? Why do we put miracles in the background and say, oh, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Why have we stopped believing in miracles? He is Yahweh. Many years ago, I met an elderly gentleman, the only man I ever met with a handlebar mustache, came out about here, and uh, he was in the XRAF, but he started telling me his testimony. He says, I was riddled with cancer. Didn't realize how bad it was. Didn't know. Says, I knew I had cancer, but I was lying in my bed, and I overheard my family talking about funeral arrangements. And he said, I thought I need to get right with God here before I stand before and meet him. He gave his life to Jesus Christ. 
And the cancer left him straight away. He got out of his bed and he walked home. And I met him years later, not a bit of cancer left in him. You know, I know that often it doesn't happen like that. My own father died of cancer in 1992. I know there are times that, no, it just doesn't happen like that. You know, God tells us that sometimes we won't understand what he's doing. We won't understand his thoughts. They're too high for us. And we won't understand what his will is. But nevertheless, nevertheless, God is in the business of doing miracles. Yahweh, I am that I am. Yesterday, today, and forever the same. We need to allow our faith to rise to that, to begin to believe that, to really believe in the God we serve, not just for healing, but for all sorts of situations. He is Yahweh for the future of this church. Is it safe? If it's in the hands of Yahweh, it certainly is. It certainly is. And Paul continues that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and onto the earth. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Imagine that in heaven, that refers to angelic beings. On earth, that refers to human beings. Onto the earth, that refers to those who have died and the fallen spirits. No one is excluded. He says everyone. There is coming a time when everyone no matter whether it's the biggest atheist or not, that everyone will bow the knee and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Pontius Pilate will do it. Herod will do it. Nero will do it. Stalin will do it. Hitler will do it. Satan himself will do it. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. You know, if you're, if you're to write a shorthand or, or, or just if you were to pick one line to, to share the gospel, to, to, to proclaim what the gospel is, it's Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus means Savior. Christ means Messiah. Lord means Yahweh, represents Yahweh. Jesus Christ, Jesus the Savior, Jesus the Messiah. Jesus Yahweh. That's the gospel. And we come to him knowing our weaknesses, knowing that we have failed, knowing that there's no good work in any way that can ever achieve us even a step into heaven, but that we come of our own accord and ask for Christ's forgiveness and turn from our sin and receive his love and his mercy and forgiveness. And a tremendous light comes on in the future, the hope and future for us. You know, that Old Testament, and I actually, I actually wrote it in Nicole and Mark's Bible. God says in Isaiah 29, verse 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans that prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope, plans to give you a future. And when we come to Christ, that's what's real for us. That's very real for us. Our hands are put into the hands of the living God, into Christ 
Let's see the God behind the man. Well, let's just finish, um, have this mind in you as the final, my final point. Um, so far, we've been focusing mainly on Christ this morning, but this is where the pendulum comes back and hits you right between the eyes. Um, we have to ask ourselves, well, how does this passage affect me? How does it apply to me? Well, this is exactly where we started in our passage at the very beginning. Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, or in the NIV, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as, Jesus, as Christ Jesus. You know, I, I know there are many teachers. I know there are many ex-teachers in our congregation. If you were to grade yourself on how your Christian life's going, what grade would you give yourself? Well, my advice would be, don't grade yourself. Don't grade yourself. Because I think if we're honest, we all probably feel that everyone else is doing better at this than we are. If the truth be told, we'd all be surprised to find that we all struggle to live the Christian life, including your minister. But thank God that it's about grace. Thank God that when we fall, it's about God picking us up, dusting us down, and getting us going again by his grace and by Christ's blood and sacrifice. We are cleansed past, present, future. But one way, just finally, that shows us how we are doing, one way, and there's several ways, but one way, is where do we place others? Where do we place others? And the health of the church can also be seen in where do we place others? How Christ descended before he was exalted. Is there any, is there any task too menial or too low for us to do? Like even the term minister... You know, ministers have been exalted, which I don't agree with. But over the years, it's just gone that way. But the Greek word minister is servant. Do you remember how Paul said earlier in this chapter, in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. We have Christ as our inspiration and the Spirit of Christ in us as our power for that. We're promising God's Word that if we live surrendered lives, He'll live in us. If we live surrendered lives, that's what He asks us for. He doesn't ask for perfect lives. He asks for surrendered lives and that He will live in us, that He'll live through us and that Him living through us will bear the fruit of the Spirit that other people can feed upon. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and self-control and perseverance. May the King of kings and Lord of lords be given full reign in our lives to make us and to mold us that we might reflect his image for the glory of God the Father. Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Listen, time has gone and a little video to show you, but I don't think I will... Um, now, um, mm. or do you just want to see it? Do you want to see it?
Okay, we'll put, it's called, it's a reflective one, it's a responsive one. It's called At Your Name. Let's think of Jesus and, and Yahweh and what that means and how that impacts in your personal life, not just on a Sunday, but on a Monday morning.
with prayer. Um, I have a, a prayer here by Scotty Smith, which I'm going to pray. And I just thought it was a wonderful prayer. Um, Peter writes, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to, who, now to you who believe, this stone is precious. Jesus, when I hear the word precious, I immediately think about silver, gold, platinum, all called, all called precious metals. Or I think about precious gemstones like diamonds, sapphires, rubies, and emeralds. But if anything or anyone deserves the title precious, it's you, Jesus, God's chosen cornerstone and precious capstone of our redemption. For the combined worth of all precious metals and gemstones that have ever existed does not compare with the unsearchable riches that are found in you. To trust in you, Jesus, is to be free from the burden of our guilt and the paralyzing power of our shame. To trust in you, Jesus, to boast in the gift of your righteousness, to rest in the constancy of your love, to wake up each day to your endless mercies, to hear you sing to us in the gospel, is to feel the stranglehold of shame lose its grip over our hearts. Jesus, I praise you for taking the guilt of our sin and the shame of our brokenness on the cross. You became sin for us, that in you we might become the righteousness of God. Because of you, judgment day holds no terror. The cross was our judgment day. We no longer fear the gaze of God because of the grace of God we have in you. May you become more and more precious to us, Jesus. May the gospel continue to change the price tags on everything in our world. May yesterday's values be considered today's loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing you. We pray in your glorious name. Amen. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and remain with us until Jesus comes again. Amen. And our final hymn, which we're just going to leave, it's called He is Lord. If you want to look it up on YouTube, it's quite an oldie and it's quite a responsive one. Make sure he's Lord in your own heart. Make sure he's Lord in your own life. Look it up this afternoon and tell him, Jesus, you're Lord, you're Lord, you're Master, you're Yahweh to me.